Welcome to Rob and Tony's Cinematic Adventure. I'm Rob Wilson. I'm Tony DeQuano. Today we are going to be talking about The Empire Strikes Back. Last time we talked the about a new hope. Sequel. Now we are talking about one of the greatest sequels of all time, The Empire Strikes greatest. Back. Star Wars Episode Five. I love this movie, dude. So do I. <laughs> it's maybe technically better. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's one of those movies. It's, it's hard to pick. A lot of people pick Empire as their favorite <laughs> Star Wars movie, and I understand that completely. I think the one thing that puts A New Hope over the edge for me for my favorite, like just puts it barely above Empire, because I love Empire. I love me some Empire, but. I think it's just that it's it's the first, you know, a new hope is the first yep. one. It's the origin of all these characters, you know, our first meeting of them. And then empire is a continuation of that story. Absolutely. So I think, yeah, just the, the whole origin aspect of it, the, the first one, you know, I think that's, that's what puts a new hope gives it a slight edge over empire in my book, but empire it's, in every other way, it is at least right up there, even with A New Hope. But, in, you know, it's just, without a doubt, we had to follow it. New Hope with Empire. Yeah. You can't separate the two. No. You know, it's, they may be separate movies, but, again, it's just, you know, it's episode five. Yeah, it's all part of the same story. Episode five, four, it's five, like and six were the first three movies made of the series. Separate, <laughs> you know. When I look at the Lord of the Rings movies, I, I have a hard time separating any of them. Yeah, or how you separate the books of Lord of the Rings? It's they all contribute to each other. Yeah, and you know, obviously, we're of an age where these movies came out before you were born. And you just kind of think about how you would have viewed them theatrically. Like, yeah, because Star Wars is so groundbreaking. No one had heard of George Lucas. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, outside of maybe some fan film critics. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, of or his core TV group of friends who hadn't made a huge movie yet, like Steven Spielberg but he and wasn't Francis Ford Coppola. And... Because either of those movies were not that no. well known. No, they were all budding directors at the time. Massive smash hit, yeah, globally, not just you know, you know, not just domestically, globally, and just anticipated sequel. And a lot of it helps, you know, like yeah, I mean, you have Godfather, Godfather two, but it kind of kicks off that summer sequel, the summer sequels. Yeah, people are waiting for it, and and I mean, you and I um, were both born after 1980, expect? right? You and I were both born after 1980, so we the our first theatrical experience of anything Star Wars were the uh, re-releases in 97. Right. The special edition releases. So I, I just I, I go back and I, and I think about what, what these movies might have what had to have been like, you know, when they first came out in 1977 and in 1980 and in 1983. I just wonder too, like, you know, we live in such a different age now. Like there's all these spoilers and these hits whether it be a TV series or a movie about what next one's going to have. Speaking of spoilers, the by the way, spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about the entire movie of Empire yes. Strikes Back. And uh, <laughs> uh, we'll probably be mentioning things from various other movies or TV shows. And we're going to try not to spoil those as best we can. Uh, but just a warning, some slight spoilers might come out for some of those. But we are definitely going to be spoiling every bit of Empire Strikes Back on this episode. <laughs> So uh, if you have not seen the movie and you don't want to be spoiled, then uh, pause the podcast, watch the movie, come back to it. If you don't care about Please. spoilers, then uh, go ahead, keep listening, and uh, then enjoy the movie. Because it is but a fantastic movie, and I highly recommend everybody see it. If you don't know the spoiler, please just just watch Empire first. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but yeah, you know... People went into things more blind than they do the day, right? Yeah. You know, it's you don't have as many, you know, you don't have as many, you know, the internet to go through all these theories. And I mean, like, New Hope does not really telegraph it that much. No, there's there's a few faces in there 
But that's about it. Because at that point, when when A New Hope was written, I don't know that that part of the story was thought up yet. Right. I've read reviews of people, you know, this is from the guy that was born, like, in the early 70s. So, like, you know, he kind of had that experience of, I guess he had read the Empire novelization before the movie came out. Okay. So it was kind of spoiled for him, right? Yeah. But, yeah, it, it's it's hard to kind of separate it because it does continue into that. And I think that's one of the things that when I watch it today, I just kind of think, like, yeah, I kind of wish I could have had an unspoiled experience. Yeah. Because I mean, it is so well known. When I first saw it, because, yeah, uh, like I was like I had mentioned in the uh our new hope discussion, you know, my, I, I first saw the movies and when I was about 10 years old, 10, 11 years old, I watched the VHSs that my dad just happened to have. And, uh, yeah, I watched them back to back pretty much. I think I, I watched one, one day, I watched them over like a three day period. I watched one a day, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't have any prior knowledge of, of the spoiler of the big reveal at the end of, of right. empire, which just so we don't have to keep on dancing around it anymore. Darth Vader is Luke's father. <laughs> yeah. He's his daddy. <laughs> so, uh... Uncle Owen knew it. Yep. And he's like, yeah. Yeah, I'm afraid yeah. of that. <laughs> Uncle Owen knew it. Obi-Wan knew it. Everybody knew it except Luke. <laughs> Everybody knew it except Luke. And Leia. And Han and Chewie and... <laughs> the main group of people in the movie didn't know it. But... <laughs> but, no. Yeah. But yeah, uh, the big reveal is Darth Vader tells Luke that he is his father. But again, um, great thing is my son had no idea. Yeah. And it's always and great seeing somebody who hasn't seen it before and who doesn't know that reveal, seeing the look on their face when it happens, when it comes out and seeing their reaction to it. And that's so rare nowadays because it's like the biggest movie reveal of all time. It is. There's, you know, there's a couple other in there and others in there and. Eh, I won't discuss them in this. But yeah, he, like, he yeah. had no clue yeah, about there, it. Yeah, there's other and reveals that come out in other movies enough, that we won't talk about right now. <laughs> he's young enough not to get some of that other noise. Like, and it's funny because like he's seen Toy Story 2, and Toy Story 2 references, references it explicitly yeah. because it's such a famous scene. Yeah. And funny thing, when they were filming that scene, uh, the script did not reveal that the script that everybody had right. did not That's reveal right. that it said, Obi-Wan killed your father instead of I yeah. am your father. And the line, it's also one of the most often misquoted lines in movie history. Everybody keeps on saying it's Luke. I am your father. It's actually no, I am your father. Yeah. Cause the exchange is uh, Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. Then Luke says, he told me enough. He told me you killed him. And then Darth Vader says, no, I am your father. Which is really but, an interesting uh, way of looking at it. Because, you know, we talked about the TV series now. And, like, you know, it's pretty, you know, clear. And even in terms of even, I think, in some ways, even, like, Vader's understanding of it. Yeah. That Vader is really the one that does away. Yeah. With Anakin. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, back in A New Hope, when, when Obi-Wan said... Darth Vader, who was a pupil of mine until he turned to evil, betrayed and murdered your father. That's not untrue. No, it's not. There's layers of that. And again, like, you know, I didn't even, I haven't really thought about it until we've discussed these last two, like this watching Sith, Obi-Wan, New Hope to kind of together with Empire, how well it all kind of fits with that arc of Anakin. Yeah. I don't think I realized that watching kind of Obi-Wan at first until rewatching New Hope and Empire. Yeah. It's there. Yeah. And there's layers of it to kind of sift through. Yeah. And it's funny because like, um, and I, you know, I get that's why some people like to elevate Empire because it brings some of those themes, you know, loss and yeah. of like these relationships in. And because Empire, it has, a, it's a non traditional movie. Like it's a, it has a non traditional ending. Yes. You know? I mean, it, it lives up to its title. The Empire Strikes Back. The Empire wins that movie. <laughs> it's it's dark as hell. 
<laughs> like I said, the Empire wins. Like you have no idea. There's so many points in there. You have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, and and yeah, back to the to the Luke scene, the Luke and Darth Vader reveal scene. Very few people actually knew about that reveal before it yeah. premiered. That right. was George Lucas and a handful of other higher ups in there, and they called Mark Hamill in and explained to him what it was before they filmed it. But everybody else thought that it was as the script said. It wasn't until they brought in James Earl Jones to dub over Darth Vader's voice that you know they actually you know recorded what the line actually was. Uh, like uh, when when David Prowse was reading the lines in the Darth Vader suit. You know, he was reading it as it was written with, you know, Obi-Wan killed your father. And it, it, it that can elicit the same reaction that Luke gave. Yes. Because Obi-Wan was his mentor, you know, and finding out yeah. that he killed his father, you know, would give the same reaction as Darth Vader coming out and saying, I am your father. Yeah. It's just you know, strange because like you have that now his you know, father killing his mentor. Yeah. It's flipped. Yeah. <laughs> it's- yeah. Even though, like, there's this aspect and him watching it happen, Obi Wan's losing. Like, then uh, there, we had talked about last time. There's very, there's lots of Gandalf themes within his sacrifice. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. When uh, we're talking Empire, but yeah, it's just you, you can't get around that scene because it ends up being this pivotal point for everything else happening. You know, you have. At that point, now you really want to know, okay, how did he fall to the dark side? Yeah. Like, at that point before, like, you don't, which you don't, then, like, okay, he's evil, but now you want to know, okay, what happened? Yeah, which is then why Lucas went back and made the prequels. Yeah. You know, to follow without, Anakin's without story. Without that, you don't care. You don't care. Which, I, I'm going to go on record by saying I enjoyed the prequels. You know, a lot of people, especially a lot of people our age, hated the prequels. I never hated them. I always thought they were great. I thought I thought they were great movies. I, I really enjoyed them. Decent enough. I I, I, I never I never held them to the same standard, the same no. you know height of you know love that I have of the, the original trilogy. People just want them but to be there. That's because those are the ones that I grew up with, and they're a little bit but lower. Yeah, the original trilogy is what what we grew up with, and the prequels are different, but they're still the same. You know, it's it's kind of weird how how that happens, but. I have been enjoying how in recent years the prequels have seen a lot more love. They have, yes. It's interesting, you know, it's, they push things a lot of way. Like, you know, Empire pushed things in new directions. I could see, I'm I'm not as well versed in the total reaction of Empire. I could see some people being like, oh, this is vastly different Mm -hmm. than New Hope. Yeah. It's not as action oriented. No, it's really not. Um, you know, one of the things the one of the early things that I noticed, like back when I first saw it back when I was like 10 or 11 years old, it was, was that Luke never splits the wings in his X wing in the entire movie. Nope. Not at all. Yeah. There, there are not, you know, it, there are not many space battles in there. We can, you know, this might be something, you know, we can get into a little bit when we discuss Jedi, you know, some of it might be with, Age. I mean, there's a certain thing you talk about with like, yeah, when's the first time you watch Jedi? I'll be, I'll just say right now, my son Charles, his favorite Star Wars movie is Jedi. But given his age, I get it right now. Yeah. Back when I first saw it, Jedi was my favorite. But again, I saw it was like 10 years old. And it's the same reason that I think some people lean, as they get older, lean towards Empire for particular reasons. Because they can finally understand it. Because it's a more adult story. Right. You know, there are things that you don't pick up on until you're older. Yeah. And you don't and this, truly appreciate it of his until you're dad you being this evil, evil dude. Yeah. That, that, that's a level that as you get older, you, you know, you grapple with differently than yeah. being eight. I mean, for all the Star Wars movies, the main the main audience was always kids. It yes. was always younger people. Absolutely. It wasn't a movie that was necessarily made particularly for adults, which is why so many people who saw it when they were younger, it made it's made such a huge impact on their lives, myself included. Yes. But that doesn't mean that there's not adult themes in them in the movies. Right. No, it's escapist in that it works equally it works war. equally well for kids to watch it and enjoy and have a great time and learn so much from them. 
But then you watch it again as an adult and you pick up on so much more that you didn't see as a kid and you yep. learn to appreciate it even more. Without a doubt. Yeah. And, and again, so even like I said, like Walter Charles, just seeing those as he watches it, you pick up on some of the things and some of the joy of it is finding the things you kind of lost the joy in, too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and like and again, like, I mean, like we've said, Empire is the most adult. Of the original trilogy. Hands down. Empire is the most adult of the original trilogy. And so... I, I mean, it's I, the darkest. I wondered it's, how he yeah. would perceive it, watching it. Especially, like, the twist. Like, okay. It was like, okay, all right. Darth Vader's his dad. But it's different thinking about that as you're eight, as opposed to when you're 14, or 20, or 30. Yeah. It, or almost 40, like we are. different level. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, it hits differently no matter what age you see it at. You know, I, I've seen this. I've seen Empire. I I lost count of the number of times that I saw it. You know, yeah. over the years, I've seen it at least hundreds of times. It's one of those ones that you know I I, I try to watch at least the original trilogy, if not all the movies, at least once every year or two or a couple of times a year. <laughs> you know, it's it's probably the the. The original trilogy is probably the three movies that I watch more than any other movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it speaks a lot about, you know, George Lucas and his making it and everybody involved, not just him, but everybody involved that I can return to these movies so many times and it never gets old. And the, the great thing about like, it, he didn't even direct it. <laughs> no, he didn't even direct this one. Yeah, he didn't even direct this one. Yeah, Irvin Kershaw but directed it, it. Obviously, it's his vision and someone picked it up. It was like Kirschner, like even as an indie director, he was mostly nameless. Yeah, he didn't do a whole lot after it either, but he does such a great job with it. And you know, part of that's because like there's no ego, yeah, involved in it. He just yeah. films what he's supposed to film. Exactly, and he just lets everything else fall into place. And yeah. again, you know, we talk about world building. Like, okay, you know what? Most of New Hope, you don't really have a, you have like the Death Star, the Millennium Falcon, and Tatooine as the three main. Then you have powers. a little bit on Yavin Four, right? But not much. Not much. They don't really, really even get a sense of it. Most of it's just set. Yeah. So then all of a sudden you have like you know like hot like it builds hot like it, it yeah. starts off like even people like I remember like we talked about like okay when you first see it like okay. I you know I knew people that are big Star Wars fans. And I just had seen Star Wars and then briefly later saw Empire. This is back in middle school. I'm like, oh yeah, that's like that's right with the ice planet, right? Yeah, I mean, so much of the movie actually like, a lot of people, takes place like, on that's what they first think about it. If they don't know Star Wars, well, I was like, oh yeah, it's the the ice planet. Yeah, so much, so much of the movie takes place on Hoth. Like the, the entire first act of the movie is on Hoth. Yeah. People don't necessarily realize how much actually happens on that planet. You know, Luke gets attacked by the Wampa when he's out investigating a meteor strike that ends up being the probe droid, which I read somewhere that, you know, him getting the lightsaber when he's hanging upside down in the Wampa's cave was the first time right. that, that anything physically was manipulated by the Force in the movies. But that's not true because in A New Hope... Obi-Wan creates the distraction with the stormtroopers when he's shutting down say, the no, Obi-Wan reflector uses, shield. When he's, when he's shutting down the Death Star tractor beam. Which I, I like the tractor mix beam. of but yeah, that. He, like he they call, the call back to it in the Obi-Wan series. Yeah. It's like, we don't need to get into that, but yeah. But yeah, when when, when Obi-Wan is, is distracting the stormtroopers on the Death Star when he's shutting down the tractor beam... That's that's way before Luke calls his lightsaber to his hand. So people that are saying that Luke calling his lightsaber to his hand is the first no. appearance of the physical world being manipulated by the Force is uh, that's not accurate. You no, know, I've always kind of wondered though. Like you, you get that aspect. Like you know, he's at the end of New Hope. He's still definitely a novice, and kind of think about the building of his skills between then and there. Yeah. It's obviously. As we get to see later in the movie, there's a lot of training he still needs to yeah. do. And and there's actually, uh, in the last couple of years, the more recent uh, comic runs have had Luke's adventures between A New Hope and Empire. So you get to see some okay. of the training that he's gone through in those. But going by the movies, you don't necessarily know how much training he's been through, but he goes through a lot more with Yoda. Right. It's easy to think that it's all very rapid. And what it really isn't. I mean, like I said, like Yoda, Yoda has a lot to teach him. 
Yeah. I mean, Empire takes place a couple of years after A New Hope. So there's been some time right. there for him to train off screen. Yeah. You know what's going on? Like, again, they're picking up an entirely different world that you haven't seen. And yeah, they're in completely different positions. Like, you know, even their interactions are different between the characters, whether it be between Luke and Han, Luke and Leia, or Han and Leia, Han and Luke. Even Luke different. and Chewie. Yes. You know, when, yeah. when Luke is going out to fight the walkers, he's, you know, gets his pilot gear on and everything. He's going out and he starts scratching Chewie's neck before Chewie wraps him up in a big old hug. Like, even, you know... You know, I thought uh, I originally thought that he was doing some sort of, like, salute to, uh, to Chewie, like, putting his hand on his shoulder or something. But then, more recently, I noticed that his fingers are moving when he's up there. He's scratching his neck. <laughs> yeah. Hey, even look at R2, right? At first, like, okay, R2 has this message with this beautiful girl on it. Mm-hmm. That's what he's focused on. Yeah. Right? But, yeah, and Empire, then by you the could... end of New Hope, yeah. like, he's like... Trusting R2. Yeah. But even more so. End of A New Hope, when they're loading R2 into the back of his X-Wing, he asks, the, the guy asks Luke if he wants a different droid. He look, He's like, this one looks pretty beat up. You want a different one? And Luke's like, not on your life. This little droid and I have been through a lot together. <laughs> and then by the time Empire comes around, like, it's an even deeper relationship. Yeah. To the point where, you know, R2 is sitting outside in the freezing cold weather, scanning for Luke. Yes. To the point where, you know, C-3PO needs to come and drag him back inside. I mean, not physically <laughs> drag him back inside, but convince him to come back inside because it's getting too cold. It's always one of those little aspects of the movie. Like, you know, like the relationship between the droids and the humans and how they really sell it and it feels real. All the more know, reason like, why, they, why R2 should have got a Pearl Heart at the end of The New Hope. <laughs> They deepen it well enough by the end of New Hope, but then you pick it up and like you just believe enough that like yeah they've gone through more and yeah. uh, like they have a completely different relationship. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Like like we were mentioning in the New Hope one, where all the characters you know they have history. You can tell by the way it's acted, by the way it's written, everything. You you can tell that that each of these people have history, and the people they're interacting with know of that history. You know, they don't they don't mess with Han Solo. They don't mess with Darth Vader, you know, and you can tell right. in Empire that these characters that met in A New Hope, like we've been saying, they have a whole new dynamic to their relationship in Empire, because even though you don't see what goes on between the movies, you can sense that they've been through some stuff together. Right. I mean, you know, you can tell you know that the they're that they've been through things that that have brought them closer. Their relationships are it's different. It's a major plot point later that feeds into Jedi. We talked about it, like it's an added scene into New Hope, you know, where Han's talking with Jabba, talks Jabba down. It's like, no, I'll pay you. Don't worry about me. Mm-hmm. Right? And by the end of New Hope, obviously, Han comes back, helps Luke save the day. And instead of finding a way to go back to pay off Jabba, he stays with the yeah. resistance. Yeah. Right? I mean, he very well could have. Knowing been, that in a couple of years there, Jabba he could have was, gone and paid Jabba. But but he mentions at the beginning of Empire that he needs to go pay Jabba. Because <laughs> the the bounty hunter they ran into on Ord Mantel. In a couple of years. He's you know, like, oh, changed yeah, his I, mind. that he paid this dude back. Yeah. And obviously, you know, it then comes back later in the movie and ends up betraying them in some ways. But. It's just, it picks up well, because you yes. realize that they're still fighting. Like, you know, it's this big victory, right? You know, like, and you get it, that the Death Star would have been this big blow, but they didn't destroy it. Yeah. They got to have the Empire kind of rebuild to a certain extent where they can be all powerful. Yeah. Then they I mean they had to flee their base after uh, A New Hope, because... The Empire knew where it was. They knew it was. The Death Star was yes. on the way to destroy it when, you know, the X-Wings went out and attacked the Death Star. Which, but, by uh, the way, we so, didn't which, talk about the New Hope. I thought that was an interesting callback from the Obi-Wan series of knowing how to track people. Yes. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. But the, the Empire the is still the there. Ship. But yeah. So, yeah. So the Rebellion had to had to flee Avon 4 after the Death Star battle. And, you know, they landed on, on Hoth. It, right. That Hoth might not have been their next base. We don't know. The opening crawl makes it seem like Hoth was their next base. But they haven't really confirmed, as far as I know, that, you know, they didn't stop at one or two other places before that. Uh, but, know. you know, in the first act of the movie, 
you know, the Empire comes back and they cause them to run away from Hoth. You know, the movie's not even close to being over at that point. And they're already having to find a new base of operations. And I just think, like, it again, it gets into world building. Like, you know, there's the at-ats, like, you know, I was built in. Yeah. And, like I said, like, you know, they keep fighting and they, you know, they flee again. And by the way, uh, the Empire was was the first time in any Star Wars movie where a non Jedi used a lightsaber when uh, Han cut open the Tauntaun to stuff Luke into. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he used Luke's lightsaber to cut open the Tauntaun. The so last time we were talking about Lego prices, I'm looking at an AT right now. That's eight hundred dollars. Wow. <laughs> Those when we were growing up, Legos were for kids to play with. They were affordable. <laughs> now they, it seems like they're only catering to adults. Like the people who... It's what happens. Like, not even like any adults, but just adults that have jobs where they can afford to... $800. $800 for some plastic that they can put they're together and relying on there's enough infinite adults years that of make a lot of money enjoyment out of. That are geeks that have disposable income. Yeah. One of these days, I want to know what it's like to have disposable income. (sighs) I mean, it it looks awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. I'd I'd build it. (laughs) I would too. (laughs) Get that and the $2,000 Millennium Falcon and... Sure, no, the, the Death Star is However out there. much the Death Star is. <laughs> Lego Death Star. Uh, that's it. The, the Star Destroyer is $700. Wow. <laughs> I actually still have, from when I was a kid, I still have a Lego A-Wing from back when, like, they were first starting, like, when they just would randomly come out with a Star Wars set or something. Before, yeah. like, they had regular Star Wars Lego sets. You know, I, I got an A-Wing back in the day. It's a smaller one. It was only, like, 20 bucks at the time. But, yeah, I've got it in a box tucked into a closet somewhere. But, yeah. I I, I really want to know what happened. Like, it was a lot of money when I saw it. There's a toy store in Ellicott City, Maryland, which has been flooded twice. There's the downtown Ellicott City, Maryland. There's this kind of, like, classic toy shop I saw in the window. Like an original Lego set of the Millennium Falcon. I'm like, oh, that's a beautiful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that was a lot of money. I don't know the price of it. And I, like, every time I think about that, I just kind of think, like, I really hope that wasn't, it's been, the downtown has been flooded twice. Because I just hope that was saved. <laughs> yeah. Now, one thing I do still have that I got back in the 90s from the Star Wars toy collection that came out in 95, right? Yep. I have the Millennium Falcon from that, the Power of the Force Millennium Falcon, which was $50 at the time, which, you know, as a kid, that was really, 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 really expensive. Yes. But I saved up my money and I bought it and uh, I have had it ever since. And I still have the box for it, too. All right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, for some reason, I kept the box. I mean, not that I'm really ever going to plan on selling it because I have so many great memories with that thing. But in the off chance that someday I do sell it, I still have the box. (laughs) So (laughs) (laughs) if I'm ever in that much need of money that I need to sell my old toys that I loved so much growing up. But yeah, you know, it's, you know, we're getting off the toys. It's great because it's a movie that lends itself. Yes. Series that lends itself to that. But yeah, it picks up so well because like, you know, like, okay, it brings you to these characters that you know but in a completely different world that you don't know. And it's not right after. So you realize that, okay, they've been doing their best to like fend off. And now all of a sudden this is major fight to them. Like, okay, like this is Stan and they yeah. hold it off. Right. Yeah. But they get scattered. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're going out there, they're in their snow speeders or they're modified air speeders, modified to be able to operate in the, in the extreme cold of Hoth. Going out there, the blasters on those ships aren't strong enough to pierce the hull of the AT-ATs. Or the, I've always called them AT-ATs. Uh, yes. I've always been one of those people that calls them AT-ATs over AT-ATs. But either pronunciation is accepted by the majority of Star Wars people from what I understand. So uh, anyway, 
So, yeah, their blasters aren't strong enough to pierce the holes, which they still had a bunch of X-Wings. Why didn't they just take those out? But <laughs> that's, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's um, you know, There's they, they wanted to introduce new ships. They wanted to introduce new and vehicles. That's one of the glorious things about Star Wars <laughs> yeah. is that you can, like, pick this stuff apart. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it, part of it, you know, comes from a merchandising standpoint. They have to introduce new vehicles <laughs> so that right. they buy new toys. You know, money. Yeah. But yeah, so they come up with the ingenious idea of, you know, using the harpoons and tow cables to trip the adats. Right. And it, it was sort of a spur of the moment decision to do that, too. Because if you're looking at it, there, you know, Luke is flying through, he flies through the legs of one of them and then shoots at the other one and it doesn't pierce the hull. Yeah. And that's when he comes with the idea of let's use the harpoons. Yeah. You know, unless unless there was some briefing beforehand that, you know, they're like, hey, if the guns aren't strong enough to pierce the hull, let's use the let's trip them up. You know, but that was never shown in the movie, so you have to, you know, sort of believe that it was a spur-of-the-moment decision on Luke's part to trip him instead of trying to blast him. Which Luke didn't even get a chance to do because he was shot down before he could do it. Yeah, he was. You know, his his snowspeeder was hit and Dak was killed, his gunner, and then he was shot down and he crashed and Wedge and uh, Jansen were the ones, the first ones to actually trip a walker. Yep. But Luke did take one down with a grenade. <laughs> that was great. He gets a little grappling gun and shoots up sticks at the bottom of the walker and goes up there, cuts it open with his lightsaber and tosses a grenade up in there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Takes the thing down. <laughs> but all of that, even the entire interaction between him and Han and Leia, like, you can tell it's growing deep by the time. Like, where's Luke? Just the, the relationships of the, of the characters are so much stronger than they were at the end of A New Hope. You know, no, like, and you they're all worried about Luke being out there. Han is risking his life to go after him in the snow. Yes. You know, he's told that he will not survive the night, and yeah. he goes anyway. And, and, like, Leia is worried about both of them. Yeah. Then after, you know, Han comes back with Luke, then the rest of the time on Hop, Han and Leia are sort of doing their flirt arguing the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then you get Luke and Leia, and it just gets awkward later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not awkward in New Hope. It gets a little awkward in Empire. In but at the time that it happened in Empire, that part of their story hadn't been thought up yet. So <laughs> that reveal hadn't been thought up yet. So at least from what I understand. But yeah, so they, you know, narrowly escape Darth Vader, who just got onto Echo Base. Yeah. Mostly because the Millennium Falcon has that secret gun that pops down, that awesome secret pop-out gun that took out all the snowtroopers. So they, they get out of there. Luke gets to his X-Wing. He goes to Dagobah. Han and Leia and Chewie and C-3PO are flying through the asteroid field trying to get away from the Empire. They go into what they think is just a hole in an asteroid, but end up flying it's down not. the throat of a space slug. Which, like, later, like, I get it was written before Star Wars. It's like, for me, I think of that as, like, major dune. Yeah. <laughs> so what I don't understand is they're inside space slug's gullet. Somewhere, somewhere yeah. down his throat. Yes. You know, they're not they're not really close to his mouth because you can't really see the teeth from where they are. So they're far enough down no, his throat to be somewhere in there. But there are Minox flying around living inside this thing. <laughs> You'd think that it would have swallowed those things by now. <laughs> but there are a bunch of them. There are a bunch of Minox just hanging out, flying around inside the space slug. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's, it's, it's not like they're just you know like the the wrasse the fish that cleans up sharks that hangs around sharks and keeps them clean it's not like that because it's not something that's specific to space slugs because they know what minox are yes they mentioned that they're minox and that they're probably chewing on the on the falcon's power cables you know yep. so it's an established creature but you know somehow they're living inside the thing <laughs> like uh, like doesn't seem like it's the belly no. Somewhere down the throat, halfway? Yeah. It's just chilling. I mean, they're, they're, it, it seems like they're standing on its tongue when they're walking around out there, so it can't be that far down. No. Interesting enough. But yeah. again, it's all the world that they built. Yeah. And like I said, Luke's off. He's training. It's always some of my favorite stuff. Yeah. Because I love Yoda. Yeah, Yoda's awesome. The way that they brought Yoda to life was just incredible. Yeah. I mean, here they have this and, puppet... That's brilliantly puppeteered and 
voiced and everything by Frank Oz, the master puppeteer. I had recently more watched the prequels where he's just CGI and just like, yeah, it loses something. Yoda is my, one of my biggest complaints to prequels. Yeah, it's not the same. It's not. It's, as it's the puppet. It's not. Which which and is where sometimes you need the puppet. We just, we just watched ET, and ET is a puppet. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and you see ET. How your acts as a puppet and interacts with everybody else, and like Yoda acting with Luke as a puppet, it's it hits differently. And that that that's the point where like yeah, we're you know at least I get the understanding of like being upset with the prequels relying too much on the effects. Yeah, but the prequels relying so much on the effects is what George Lucas wanted from the start. It's just the, it, yes. it, that. That technology didn't exist. That's why he had used the puppets. At the yes. Right. You know, so you can't fault the guy for wanting to use the most advanced technology that's available. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's easy to, I guess, from his look at, like, he lost perspective that lost realism of what happened. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, then, you know, Luke goes into the dark side cave on Dagobah, faces off against the phantom Darth Vader. Realizes that it's what he could become if he doesn't complete his training properly and if he makes the wrong choices. There's a weird, not, I shouldn't say weird, but like there's definitely a foreshadowing there, though. Yeah. Between what happens later in Cloud City. Yeah. Where he, there's this understanding where he knows that there's something far more linked between him and Vader. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, yeah, when he when he cuts off Phantom Vader's head, the mask explodes and it's Luke's face under it. Yes, like there, it, it's beginning to show that, and it's this understanding, like you're like fighting to become who you're. You know, yeah, like, it's I mean, not it, to make your father being a that, villain. That's yeah, that, that for fits, everybody. It but. fits with both perspectives of it, as Darth Vader being Luke's father, or as Darth Vader just being some evil villain. You know, it fits with both of those where Luke is fighting himself as following the path of his father. Or on the flip side, if he makes the wrong decisions, he's fighting the most evil thing that he knows that then he becomes. Right. You no. know, if, if that's the thing, you know, his if he doesn't take the path of the Jedi, it's easy to become. So it could be either way that you can look dark at side with that. So wherever you go. Yeah. And that's the fight he has to take. And. Yeah, and they, they play it well. If you think about it, like, you know, he's especially considering that, like, when especially as you get the prequels, like, you have far more Jedi are trying to like steer people, to yeah, go the right way. But he's aimless. He, you know, it's obviously you know Obi Wan is gone. He's been entrusted towards Yoda, but you know, like I said, like Darth Vader's out there, and he's very, very powerful. Yeah. And he knows Luke's potential weakness, which comes into play, obviously, in Empire, and even more so in Jedi. Yeah. Which... But it speaks to this being, as it progressed into that, more adult themes, which some people really grasp onto. Yeah. And, I mean, and that's why, for some people, Empire is the higher movie. Yeah. And we, we get our first glimpse of the Emperor in Empire. You know, the first yes. indication that Darth Vader reports to somebody. Yeah. I mean, the two big new characters, right? Yoda and the Emperor. Yeah, I mean, we only see the Emperor in holograms in Empire. We don't see him in person until Jedi. But uh, it's the first confirmation that we get that Darth Vader reports to somebody, that there's somebody higher than him in the hierarchy of the Empire. Yep. And, you know, you get a little bit less, I guess. Yeah. You know, Vader becomes more of something. That's a pod. But, yeah. He is this. He becomes an assistant. Yes. You know, (laughs) we we realize that there's someone who may or may not be more evil than Darth Vader. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I do think that's like one of the strengths of the prequel trilogy is how well that's developed. Yeah. At least in terms of the Emperor. Yeah. Very well done. Yeah. Because yeah, in the very, prequels, you see him as a senator first, yeah. and then you see him rise up through the ranks and it's you good know, that see his plan the, sort of the continuity of the acting. Sort of come, yeah. But, um, you know, so you have, I was talking about you know, Yoda, who is one of my favorite characters in the series. Yeah. 
Hands down, Yoda's one of my favorites too. E.T. and great. And it's funny. I, I was thinking about this the other day because I go showing Charles E.T. for the first time. And like there's a kid dressing up as Yoda for Halloween. E.T. came out in 1982, right? Mm-hmm. So people watching E.T. in 1982 and Yoda. Yeah. Like this. Seeing the kid <laughs> trick-or-treating as Yoda. Like a brand yeah. new character, right? <laughs> now, like, Yoda is so iconic. Anyway, got the Emperor, but now, you know, you have Hoth, and then you get, now you have Cloud City, and you got Lando. Yeah. Lando, played by the amazing Billy D. Williams. Billy D. Billy D. <laughs> oh, no one can play Lando like Billy D. I mean, no offense to, to Donald Glover, but I mean, he did a fantastic job as a young as a young Lando. He did probably a better job than anybody else could have done. But Lando is and always will be Billy D. Williams. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, and again, it just goes into that like kind of growing of the world. You know, you have these new aliens, these new planets, you know, and that, okay. So you kind of have like that new human, like Hans, kind of that human that's not the Jedi mm-hmm. that you identify with. And now you got like someone that identifies with him. Yeah. As being he, caught between these things. Yeah. And even going by just their first interaction in the movie, Han and Lando, again, you can tell they have history. Yes. You know, it's not just like how some movies like, oh, I got this old friend that I haven't seen in a while, but here he is. No. But you know, you can tell both that Han Billy and Lando Lee and Ford play it together so well. Yeah. That you definitely buy it. Yeah. You believe that they have history. And you don't know what it was. It doesn't matter really what it is. Yeah. You know that Han's a smuggler. Yeah. And, and that, that's where it's first established that Lando used to own the Millennium Falcon. Right. That, uh, that, and, that you know, Han won it from Lando. They don't say where he won it from enough. in the movie. They don't say it was a game of Sabacc, but they say that Lando lost it to Han, fair and square. Yes. And you know enough that Lando just wants to keep the Empire off of him. And yeah, he's, he's got a city I'm, to run. You know, he's he's trying to establish himself as a good guy, you know, as, as, as you know, a responsible person. And, and he, has, he about, has people that he needs to take care of. He has a city that he's running. He's the administrator of Cloud City. And so, you know, he made this deal with the Empire to keep them away. Yeah. You know, so they could protect his Unfortunately, they showed up at his doorstep. Yeah. They, you know, altered the deal. And what I absolutely love about just going into Han's character in Empire is when they walk in, when, when they first find out that the Empire is there. Yep. They walk into that banquet hall and Darth Vader's standing at the end of the table. The first thing Han does, take the shoot. he draws his gun and he shoots. <laughs> he draws his blaster, <laughs> shoots at Darth Vader. He doesn't try to talk to him because he, he knows that if, you know, if, he lets, if he lets Vader flinch, then he's a dead man. You know, so he doesn't give him a chance. He sees the threat. He draws. He does his best to take care of the threat. Darth Vader, of course, puts out his hand and absorbs the lasers into his hand using the Force and then pulls Han's blaster to him so that he can't use it anymore. And then he doesn't go and kill Han for trying to kill him. He invites him in for dinner. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's going to be frozen currently. But. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then, yeah, so then they were using... When they get to the point where they're using uh, Cloud City's carbonite freezing chamber, because, you know, they're wanting to trap Luke in it, but they want to test it to make sure that he's going to stay alive, they test it on Han. After torturing him, not asking him any questions, just torturing him to, just to torture him, just for the sake of torture. Because back and say it's all for Luke, they know who Luke is, and they have a plan. Yeah. The viewer doesn't really know it yet. Yeah, the viewer doesn't necessarily plan. know it yet. But yeah, so they, they freeze Han. That that whole pimp move of, you know, they're about to lower him into the chamber and Leia tells him she loves him. And like a pimp, he says, I know. <laughs> it's well done. It like, Which even at that point, there's been very few, I don't know. They wore it so well. They acted it so well together. Yeah. Which that, that scene also, the I know line was improvised. Yeah. It was ad-libbed by Harrison Ford. Because the line was, I love you too, that Han Solo was supposed it, to say. It, it, it's not and Harrison Ford's like, that's though. not what Han would say. He knew Han well enough <laughs> yeah. not to say that yeah. line. 
it goes back to like New Hope and you know, a lot of antagonism between them, and we get a brief glimpse at the very end, like, oh yeah, I I knew you'd come back from her, and there's enough that's happened by it. Yeah. It well, and yeah, by the time that happens, you're invested enough because a like Han's awesome. You want to know what happens? Yeah, and they actually like, you're able to identify with Leia. C-3PO, seeing this happen. Yeah. And the whole reasoning behind Han getting frozen in carbonite is because Harrison Ford was the only of the actors, of the main cast, who wasn't signed on for a trilogy. He was just going movie, right. movie by movie. So uh, they didn't know if he was going to come back for Return of the Jedi or not. And they didn't want to kill him off, you know, because they wanted to have the chance to bring him back. Yeah, that's a good way to open the door for it. So they froze him in carbonite. If Harrison Ford ends up not coming back for the third movie, then... They'll just keep him still frozen in carbonite. Right? If he comes back, they can thaw him out. Just hanging in Jabba's palace. Yep. <laughs> Jabba's palace. It's, you know, we'll get that next episode. But. Yeah. But yeah, and then and, and when uh, Luke's in his duel with Vader, and he falls into the freezing chamber, he does the force jump to get out of it. There was yes. actually a deleted scene in his training with Yoda, where Yoda taught him the force jump. So that was, that was originally there. So you could actually see why he was able to jump like that. Interesting. I, 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 that's all some of my favorite stuff. This is his training sequences with the uh, He misses most of the actual action, but it's some of the best stuff of the movie mm-hmm. because of how great Frank Oz is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not many people can make a puppet come to life. Yeah. <laughs> Like you look at Yoda, he's a character in the movie. He like he's just as much a person as you know Mark Hamill or Harrison Ford or characters. Usually, Fisher. most puppets like the puppets. You know, they're puppets. Yeah, but Yoda, right? he is but he no, is a character Yoda in his own different. right. Yeah, it's fine. Like, you can watch it. You know, like when you first watch, it, I guess you're like, oh yeah, he's a strange person, right? You know, like yeah, it's what Luke is thinking. Yeah, I'm looking for a great Jedi master. Yeah. <laughs> like you, you have like you gotta see him yeah you see Yoda <laughs> it's just always my favorite stuff is with this Yoda trying to train him and it's well acted by both you know, like even Hamill had to act with that like part of it's yeah. like Frank Oz does it so well yeah Frank Oz is yeah he he doesn't get the credit that he deserves for everything that he's done <laughs> in Star Wars and really everything that he's been involved in. The Muppets, no. all that stuff. No. He's been so influential. And he said the Muppets, he's been a director for so many movies as mm-hmm. well himself. That too. And just, he's so versatile. Yeah. He's almost like faceless. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I, I hear Frank God, I just see Yoda. Because that's who you brought to life. Yeah. And it's like so much that Jedi wisdom in that way. Like, you know, you had Obi-Wan, but like it's communicated so many ways through Yoda. Whether it be an Empire or Jedi or prequels, Clone Wars, Yoda. And again, like, like, why do you think, like, you think about it, like, even, you know, you go back to the Star Wars, you know, Disney series of Star Wars, like, Baby Yoda. Yes. He's an instant link to something that's like really good and really powerful. It's it's not Yoda, but it reminds you of him. He's the same kind of alien as Yoda is. Just a baby version. And again, it's all back to Frank Oz and how he was able to perform that play. And it's why it's like, yeah, like, why do you think when I want, you know, not to get too harsh on the prequel, like, yeah, when you see some of the stuff that Yoda does in that, it's like, it's different. It's not what drew people to Empire. It's like, he doesn't do a whole lot in Empire. No, he doesn't. Like, you know, I mean, he shows he's powerful, yeah. obviously. Yeah, I mean, he, he <laughs> raises Luke's X-Wing out of the swamp. X-Wing, yeah. He, and X-wing, shows Luke's him like, that, How am I going to get this out of the swamp? Size matters and not. Yoda draws it out of the water. Yeah. Right? He shows um, him the power of the Force. But he remembers um, the brain aspect of it. And the heart aspect of it. Yeah. It's a very important aspect to remember, and it's kind of, I think, something that we look back at New Hope, where Luke is like, I want to be like my father. 
and when Yoda helps in some ways kind of kindle an aspect of understanding that there's this good aspect that's there that can be found beyond just his sheer power that he has. Because we see it, you know, briefly in Empire. We see it more in prequels, obviously. But, yeah. But, yeah. Does. As far as actual screen Yoda. time, Yoda doesn't get much in the original trilogy. He's in a couple of scenes in Empire and Jedi, and that's it. Yeah, like, Jedi, it's very brief. Yeah. Jedi is just a stopover. Luke flies when, back and he dies. Yeah, when Luke <laughs> goes back to take Dagobah to finish his training, he gets there. He's like, "Oh, your training's complete already, except you need to face Vader." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I mean, once you get outside the opening act, most of Luke's time, and you know, he logs on Dagobah and then faces Vader, which is important. Yeah, it it really is, especially and given in that, the scope, even in that duel. Between Luke and Vader, you can tell that Luke is trying his best and he, he's got some skill, but you can also tell that Vader is just toying with him. Yes. You, know, you can tell totally. that Vader has so much more skill than he's showing. Yeah. It's, it's sort of like a cat and mouse kind of thing. But I do want to get it to, uh, so after Lando is betrayed by the Empire again and uh, he calls the evacuation of Cloud City, you got everybody running around. You had that brief shot of Will Rowe Hood. With the ice cream machine. The ice cream maker, yes. The guy running with the ice cream maker, Will Rowhood. So, uh, yeah, they've they've since gone and explained that ice cream maker was not an ice cream maker, but it was what's called a Camtano, which is a little personal safe where people keep their valuables. People could also save but, an ice cream uh, machine. Yes, Just people could it. also save an ice cream machine because ice cream makers are very valuable because uh, they produce delicious treats, <laughs> delicious frozen <laughs> treats. But there's actually, I don't remember what convention it is. But there's one of the cons that's out there somewhere uh, where every year they do the running of Will Rowe Hood where a bunch of people dress up like him and they actually get that model of ice cream maker, which is an extremely rare model. It's really hard to find. But I'm sure it is People dress up like that guy and they carry their ice cream maker and they just run through the, the convention hall. <laughs> sort of like a running of the bulls kind of thing, but it's the running of Will I'll Rowe run. Hood. I'm going to wager those ice cream makers still like ice cream. Oh, yeah. I'm because sure they do. in 1980, they made stuff to last. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> As opposed to today, where like, they make things last for the warranty. Yeah. So if it's a 10 year warranty, then they make it years in last. a day. It's broken. nine years. <laughs> yeah. No, it lasts just long enough to have the warranty not be valid anymore. So. <laughs> So 10 years in a day, the thing's broken. But yeah, I guarantee those ice cream makers still work. But we also have, we haven't even mentioned Empire as the first appearance of Boba Fett. Yes. I was say, well, he had a brief know. appearance in the special edition yeah. of A New Hope he, as one of the bounty hunters outside the Millennium Falcon when Han was talking to Jabba. But his first actual appearance was Empire. Oh. And that's where everybody saw how big of a badass he is. And just, it just is... Not even he had maybe three lines in the movie. It, yeah, it gets back. <laughs> it's just him standing there imposingly everywhere. His just imposing being. Yeah, it gets back to kind of like saying how well they're able to introduce and show characters. Yeah, just you know right away whether yeah. and I mean you know that you know that he's a force to be reckoned with because when Vader brings all those bounty hunters onto the Star Destroyer to have them go after the Millennium Falcon. He specifically tells Boba Fett, no disintegrations. Which people have that effect. And it's played well, and it lasts well. And it's a perfect vehicle towards linking him with Java, obviously. Yeah. So, and leaves you hanging. Yeah. And it's yeah. not even the end of the movie. They got like 30, 40 minutes left in the movie. Yeah. I mean, Luke <laughs> gets his hand cut off. And one and of the heroes is like frozen. Yeah, Han's frozen in carbonite. Luke gets his hand cut off and then finds out that Darth Vader's his father. <sighs> a lot of stuff happens there. It's, and then it, he yeah, ends up hanging back. off the off of a weather van at the bottom of the city. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one-handed. Like, <laughs> the first one doesn't leave you really a lot of, like, it doesn't kill Vader, obviously. It doesn't really give you a lot of those cliffhangers, but, like, no, Empire brings us in. Yeah. 
and he didn't know where it goes next. And like, I guess at that point they knew they could really do that because, like, yeah, now you can definitely do the sequel to yeah. the sequel. I mean, then after Lando and Leia go and pick up Luke from dangling on the bottom of the of Cloud City. You know, they take him back to the Rebel fleet, and the last shot is on a medical frigate, you know, where Luke gets a new mechanical hand, and uh, they're going out looking into space while Lando and Chewie take off in the Falcon to try to find where Boba Fett took Han. Yep. You know, and then it just leaves us there. (laughs) You know, it just says Luke and Leia standing there looking out into space, and then credits roll. But, you know, I think, you know, that's another aspect we'll just enjoy. It's like, okay... It's a slightly happy ending, but it's not fully yeah. happy. It's yeah, it's it, there's a little bit of a happy ending there, but overall, it's like, a bleak okay. ending. Luke doesn't die. <laughs> no, Luke doesn't die, but the Empire clearly won. Yes, you know Han got frozen carbonite and taken somewhere. We don't know where yet. Empire's still doing its thing. The Lando the, the, the rebel fleet still hasn't found a new base. They're kind of just out in space somewhere. Just leaves you there, and you know. And I think that's a pretty way. Like I get, like if it's just New Hope. You could say, okay, yeah, what happened to Vader? But okay, it's kind of like they won, they defeated the bad guy. There's that triumphant kind of ending. You know, there's no triumphant part of Empire, right? You no. know, it's like okay, Vader didn't kill us, thankfully. Yeah. I mean, even like the one part that could be construed as a triumphant part would be, you know, Luke's training on Dagobah, which he left early. Yeah. You know, Yoda and the Force Ghost of Obi Wan were begging him to stay. Yeah, and he left, making it a non-triumphant moment. He doesn't know yet what they know. Yeah, like I get you understand, like yeah, they're afraid of him being manipulated because they know of his attachment to his dad. Yeah. And he doesn't know who his dad is. He doesn't know he's about to fight his dad. Yeah. They know it. And they have good reasoning for... For not telling him. Hiding yeah. that information. Yeah. Which is then further explained again, in Jedi. Like, but, yeah. That Charles hasn't seen that one twice yet. So I'd be interested to see him watch that one again. See what he picks up on or pick, what he doesn't pick up But it's still the most adult, any of them. Yeah. I mean, like Sith get Revenge of the Sith, you know, Sith gets dark too. Yes, it does. In a different way. It does, yeah, but in a different <laughs> way. But yeah, also, I mean, I think Empire, you know, hits harder just because it hadn't been done before. No, it hadn't. You know, by the time Revenge of the Sith comes around, episode three, you know, the darkness of there, you kind of know what's coming because you know the rest of the story. You know, but in the at the point where Empire Strikes Back comes out, it was only the second movie in the series that had been made. You don't think going into it that it's going to be such a bleak, dark movie. No. And Which is part of what the... makes it so great, because it's done so well. Yes. It could right. have been it's one a, of those movies it's... that's just dark for the sake of being dark, and just ends up being that's a, the point a I was crap movie, because like, you can't enjoy kind of it. Kind of subversive, without but, intentionally being subversive. Yeah. But yeah, it's done uh, so well that... And it gets back the to like what you were saying, that, like, yeah, yeah, okay, here's the sequel to this movie I really like, this fun summer movie, right? And then, like, it turns it on its head a bit, and like, oh, this is very different than I was expecting. And like, there are people even, like, 40 years ago, like, oh, it's, I didn't think the sequel of Star Wars is going to be this. But it was. Yeah. And it's become classic. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, to give credit to everybody involved, whether it be Lucas or Kirshner, actors, all the people behind the scenes. Yeah. It's just even, as even Kazdan with the writing. Yeah. No, Kaz is, yeah. Lawrence Kazdan. We haven't no, even mentioned writing, him. The, the writing of, and yeah. yeah, we haven't even mentioned that, but the writing of it, the scripting of it, there was the dialogue and the story came to a totally different level. Like, I, I mean, Lucas is great. He has these great ideas, but in terms of writing and plotting, it's very different than what Kaz was going to bring up. Yeah. It was appropriate for the second part. Like, you may not have thought that 40 years ago, but looking back at it now as a larger saga. Yeah. And I mean, and they knew that they were going to make a third movie. So they had to have a middle movie. Yeah. You know, so it leads into Return of the Jedi perfectly. You know, it, it leaves you at this at this low point to where then the third movie can raise it back up. We had talked a lot about Harry Fisher. It was more in the background. She's not this person to be saved now. 
She's along for the ride. She's her own person. And she plays out well. You can see her deep in relationship with both Luke and Han. And how she's still willing. Her calls are still the same thing. Yeah, and then and also just really well. something with the character development of Han between yes. the movies. You know, between, uh, you know, A New Hope and Empire. Okay. You see it The entire first portion of the movie. Everything on Hoth. Han, I don't think he ever actually calls Leia by her name. He always calls her some version of your highness, your worship, your, you know, whatever. He may mention the name Leia once or twice in there, but I don't think he does. And it's not until, you know, when they're hiding from the Empire inside the space slug, thinking that it's just a cave. And, you know, they're in that one little room of the, of the Falcon. And he calls her your worship or your highness or something. And, uh, yeah, then he calls her your highness. And, and she tells him, don't call me that. He never calls her anything but Leia again. Yep. You know, old Han would have kept on going with it. But he's gotten to the point where he respects her so much that she's asked him not to call her that. You know, yeah, not he's, to, she's not to actually call her her name. That he's he, thinking about the new hope. Yeah, from then on, he calls her Leia. Yeah, this you know, you feel that connectiveness, and they play it well. And I think it's like that chemistry is lost a little bit about the movies, especially you know, like Cloud City. You know, they're in the situation, not expecting you know what's going to happen. Obviously, it didn't be frozen in carbonite. So we've talked about that already. Yeah, the, the two of them play it well together. You yeah. see it in the later movies as well, but yeah. but you never question the growth of it. Like you know. The end of New Hope, like, yeah, like we kind of had this, had this antagonistic kind of back and forth. Then after they destroyed the Death Star, she's like, oh, yeah, I knew you would come back. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's the most positive thing she says to yeah. him that, in that New Hope. And I mean, you could you could argue that, you know, the, the uplifting thing of Empire is that's where the whole love story between Han and Leia. It really grows. Really grows. Does. But then they and pull like, the rug he, under your feet at the end where they have fun <laughs> frozen in carbonite. Like you kind of start <laughs> seeing it as this triangle of ha and they you know, they all leave and Luke goes by himself. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, it becomes this thing like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe it's gonna be Han. And, oh no, Han gets frozen in carbonite. Yep. And Luke loses a hand. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> And it's it's really you know when you think about it like kind of brilliant to see everybody loses something. Luke loses a hand. Leia loses Han. Lando loses his city. Han and loses warmth. Em- <laughs> <laughs> but you gotta watch Jedi to figure out what happens. Yep. So speaking of, join us next time for. Uh, we're going to finish off the original Star Wars trilogy with Return of the Jedi. So uh, any last uh, last remarks about Empire before we uh, cut it out for until uh, next time? I would just say, for me, and we might get into them, I won't mention certain ones, but in terms of sequels, there's probably two others I put up with it. Probably not surprising, but between Godfather, Part 2, and Aliens. Yeah, both They're right excellent. in there. I always waffle back and forth between Empire and New Hope as my favorite of the movies because by the time I really started watching them, I was probably in college. And so a lot of the more adult themes we're talking about hit a little bit harder when I was really starting to watch them again. So it's a tough balance. Yeah. And that will be something that I think we'll talk about with Jedi in kind of a reverse thing in terms of how kids respond to Jedi. Yeah. Which is important. And I think that's what I love about these movies is because you can watch them at any age and you find things that you absolutely love about them and absolutely connect with them. And people can have different opinions. That's fine because they speak to so many different things. Yeah. And that you know, that's why like I don't have a problem when someone says Jedi is my favorite, or He Hope's my favorite, Empire is my favorite, or even Sith's my favorite. Yeah, it, 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 <laughs> it's, it's, it, it all has to do with you know which ones you were introduced to first, which one you know what where you were in your life when you saw them, you know what what your personal preferences are for you know what you like about movies. You know, it's I, I don't 
condemn people who think the prequels or even the sequel trilogy are their favorites. You know, I enjoy all of the Star Wars movies. I'm one of those people I could I could find things in all of them that I really, really enjoy. You know, my favorite trilogy of the three is the original, but that's right. not saying that, that's ground. not saying that the prequels or the sequels are bad. You know, that's that's not saying that I think they're bad movies. You know, I I enjoy every one of them. It's still a template, though. Yes. And it, it shows every, it, everything for horror. Yeah. That, you know, I, so I get when people have strong emotions about the other trilogies. Yeah. I, I have strong feelings about the sequel trilogy. But, you know, for younger audiences without that bias, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, as far as Empire goes as a movie, it is it's right up there. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's it's, you know, like I said, the only the only thing that that takes a new hope above it is really just that that was that a new hope was the first one that it introduced everything. It introduced this this galaxy, this, you know, the Star Wars universe. I do think it shows it's very easy to see a lot of sequels be like mediocre, terrible that no sequels do not have to be that. One. No, they don't. That they can they be can... just as good, if not better, than the first one. Yeah. So it, Empire is it's right up there. It's just below A New Hope in my my favorite movies. And as far as sequels go, it's one of the best. Right. And one of the best sequels ever made. Need to, sequels don't need to be lame. They don't need to be copies that are. In fear of the first, they can build on it and be their own thing and build upon it. Yeah. You know, it's it, it, def- it definitely shows that. And, yeah. you know, when we explore Jedi, Jedi does the same thing. Yeah. Builds upon it, becomes its own thing, too. Yeah, it does. And I mean, they're, they're all movies that go that, that and on top of them being, you know, a series. They are also great standalone movies. Right. No, you can easily watch them standalone. You don't have if, to if watch the entire series. you're flipping through the channels series. on a Saturday afternoon, and one of them is on, no matter what it is, no matter what's, what you watch last, you can just stay on that channel yeah. and be okay with it. Yes, I think that, that wraps up our uh, Empire, Empire Strikes Back discussion. I think At so. At least for now, unless we for come now. back and revisit it later. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, That's been uh, Empire Strikes Back. Join us next time for Return of the Jedi to complete the original trilogy on uh, Rob and Tony's cinematic adventure. See you next time.